97.1 FM, The Drive presents the Behind the Song podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. By 1983, they were the biggest band in the world, and they were on the brink of total disintegration as a unit. Split apart by their incredible success, the hardships of touring and promoting their albums, and their conflicting egos. Two of them were in the middle of divorces, and it was clear that things were never going to really be the same between them again. The police had come a long way since forming in London during the rise of punk rock in 1977. And by the time they recorded their fifth and final album, Synchronicity, there was very little harmony left between the trio at all. For Sting, Andy Summers, and Stuart Copeland, the beat just couldn't go on. But their final work was an incredible showpiece of their collective talent as musicians. And for Sting, the primary songwriter in the band, the songs on Synchronicity tell the tale of his personal life at the time, leaving his wife and two kids for a mistress who had, at one point, lived next door, a friend of his wife's, no less. The songs search inward and mark a return by Sting to finding inspiration in the work of Carl Jung and Arthur Kestler, a writer who incidentally committed suicide around the time the album was released. This is the story of King of Pain, Sting's own self-view, a song that spins its evocative lyrics out into the world from track two, side two, on Synchronicity. If you like this episode, give it a like at the end and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It would be difficult enough to be a member of the police even without the family drama at this point. While all of their albums had been super successful, with charting singles on every one of them in multiple countries, Sting was emerging as the solo star from the group, spurred on by his acting roles in films including The Great Rock and Roll Swindle and more. Stuart Copeland was branching out to do film scoring, and Andy Summers began recording albums with Robert Fripp. After the contentious recording and release of 1981's The Ghost in the Machine, the band took a hiatus to pursue these other projects, marking a two-year gap between albums, the biggest in their career. And by the way, The Ghost in the Machine was titled after a book by the aforementioned Kessler, which deals with the idea that the rational, logical part of the human mind can be overtaken by primitive layers deeper in the brain, which can then create conflict, aggression, and more. It was a preview of what was to come for the police. During this time, between 1981 and 1983, guitarist Andy Summers' marriage to his longtime wife, Kate, ended, with a divorce finalizing in 1981. Although that part of the story would have a happy ending, Life on the road and the endless stream of groupies in and out of Summer's hotel rooms played a huge part in breaking up his marriage. Interestingly, Summers had taken up photography way back in the late 1970s to kill the hours on the road, and he discovered that he had a real talent for telling stories with a camera. He began showing his photographs in exhibits, many of which were artful photos of 
these very same groupies. He's since released several photography books, and his work has been shown in galleries all around the world. But by 1983, his marriage was kaput, and the police were about to be too. Drummer Stuart Copeland, the lone American in the band, was also undergoing some personal drama by this point. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In 1981, he fathered a child with a woman named Marina, the daughter of Irish author Desmond Guinness. And then in 1982, he married Sonia Christina, a vocalist in his old prog band, Curved Air, with whom he'd been involved since the mid-70s. He adopted her son from a previous marriage and the couple went on to have two more children, divorcing in 1991. And in what could only have added to the strange dynamic in the band, Stewart's brother Ian Copeland was the band's promoter and booking agent, who managed to make sure the police and plenty of other new wave artists broke into the mainstream. Ian and their other brother, Miles, who founded IRS Records, were hugely important in breaking bands like Squeeze, The Cure, The English Beat, The Go-Go's, and on and on with Miles and Ian becoming powerhouses in the music industry, while their talented brother Stuart was the drummer for the police. The Copeland family connection to the band, with brother Ian working behind the scenes on their behalf, could only have added to the overall tension when it became clear that the three members of the police just could not get along anymore, as was evident in an interview they did with Martha Quinn for MTV, on the Synchronicity Tour, an interview that ended with Sting throwing a beer in Stuart Copeland's face. Interview over. And as for Sting, things were getting completely out of hand. He had become a tax exile in 1980 and moved to Ireland, the homeland of his longtime wife, the actress Frances Tamelty, with whom he had one child and was about to have another, a daughter they named Fuchsia, she was born in 1982. But there was a problem. Way back when he and Francis Tamelty had been living in West London and his band was just getting off the ground, they lived next door to another actress, Trudy Styler, and became friendly. So they had known one another for years. It was a familiarity that evolved over time until it became a full-blown affair between Sting and Styler made more shocking by the fact that Styler and Tamelty were actually really good friends and had even acted in theater productions together in London. Shortly after his daughter was born, Sting and his wife separated. And meanwhile, Styler began joining Sting everywhere he went. Before the police gathered to record the Synchronicity album at Sir George Martin's Air Studios in Montserrat, Styler stayed with Sting at the house he rented in Jamaica, an estate, by the way, called Goldeneye, formerly inhabited by James Bond creator Ian Fleming. 
Sting wrote much of the material for Synchronicity there in 1982, accompanied by Styler, who became pregnant herself within a year. It was all such a scandal, and Sting says that when it came to writing King of Pain, the lyrics came to him quite specifically from a moment when, sitting at sunset with Styler, he noticed that the sun had dazzled his eyes to the point of seeing sunspots around it. And then the first line of the lyrics came to him, and the rest of it was built from there. Line after line of metaphors relating to the pain he was feeling from the tug of war in his personal life and with the strained relationship he had with both Summers and Copeland. For a song that has so many metaphors, it's odd that you know just exactly what he means with each and every one. King of Pain goes like this. There's a little black spot on the sun today. That's my soul up there. It's the same old thing as yesterday. And that's my soul up there. There's a black hat caught in a high treetop. That's my soul up there. There's a flagpole rag and the wind won't stop. That's my soul up there. A spot on the sun, a blemish that marks its otherwise brilliant glow. A lonely black hat trapped in the branches of a tree, its wearer long gone. A tattered rag wrapped around a flagpole while the wind whips relentlessly. All related to the soul of a man working through a very trying chapter in his life. And the chorus kicks in. I have stood here before inside the pouring rain, while the world turning circles running around my brain. I guess I always thought that you could end this rain. But it's my destiny to be the king of pain. When you think about the pain it causes a family in the aftermath of an affair, there's really no winner. The one who's been cheated on is devastated, and the person who's stepped out has lost much and risked much, with no guarantee that any of it will work out. There is a resignation in the chorus of this song, words of a man who knows that what he's doing, he's doing to himself, too. And in the next verse, more of those brilliant, sad, hopeless metaphors, one after the other. There's a fossil that's trapped in a high cliff wall. There's a dead salmon frozen in a waterfall. There's a blue whale beached by a springtide's ebb. There's a butterfly trapped in a spider's web. Speaking to the concept of being immobilized by something as beyond your control as the nature around you. And then on to the next verse. There's a king on a throne with his eyes torn out. There's a blind man looking for a shadow of doubt. There's a rich man sleeping on a golden bed. There's a skeleton choking on a crust of bread. These lines illustrate the idea behind Carl Jung and Arthur Kessler's influence on Sting's writing. Jung's synchronicity concept was that things are related even though they don't have an immediately obvious common connection. Like a rich man tossing and turning on a golden bed while a crust of bread lodges in the skeleton of a man who is starved to death. Kessler wrote a book about Jung's theory of synchronicity called The Roots of Coincidence. 
which inspired not only the title of the Synchronicity album, but many of the songs on it as well, including this one. One more verse with more of those metaphors synchronizing pain with his own soul from Sting. There's a red fox torn by a huntsman's pack. There's a black-winged gull with a broken back. There's a little black spot on the sun today. It's the same old thing as yesterday. And the chorus repeats and the song fades, with Sting singing, I'll always be the king of pain. Synchronicity was released in June of 1983, the fifth and final album for The Police. It went to number one in the U.S. and stayed there for 17 weeks. In an odd coincidence, Arthur Kessler and his wife were found dead in London in March of 1983, three months before Synchronicity's release. Kessler had Parkinson's disease and leukemia and decided to end his own life rather than suffer through his disease and his wife decided to join him in taking deadly doses of Tuanol. An abrupt and sad ending for a writer who had inspired Sting so much with his books about the inner brain and how unrelated things may have some impact on each other. The police tried for one more album, reuniting to record in the summer of 1986, but it was not meant to be. Stuart Copeland fell off a horse in a freak accident and broke his collarbone. And according to Andy Summers, it was also clear that Sting wasn't writing for the band anymore. That was it for the police, although they did reunite one more time in 2007 for a world tour. Sting has recorded 15 solo albums since they broke up in the mid-80s. And he finally married Trudy Styler in 1992. They're still together, and now they have four kids of their own. Andy Summers has continued recording and showing his photography, and he actually remarried his wife, Kate, in 1985, after which twin sons were born. Stuart Copeland remarried and has three more children with his second wife, and he became very busy as a highly sought-after film and TV soundtrack producer, and many say he is one of the greatest drummers in all of rock and roll. The police were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003, their first year of eligibility. They are one of the best-selling rock acts of all time, the unique purveyors of a sort of three-headed blonde cool that rose up out of London and bridged a gap that the music world didn't even know was there between punk and pop, rock and reggae, with a touch of jazz and smart, heady lyrics swimming in between the grooves of their powerful songs. Yet somehow, those songs are so relatable. Music magic from the police and their own self-described King of Pain. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks, as always, to Christian Lane for the music you hear on these podcast episodes. If you like it, give it a thumbs up, hit subscribe, or leave a five-star review. And you can also check out episodes on the Behind the Song podcast TikTok channel. On the way, much more classic rock and roll.